0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Somewhat Damaged. I'm your host, Greg Alpern. With me, as always, John B. Today, we welcome our guest, Von DiCarlo. So oh, we're, we're live, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're starting right at the payment. Yeah.
0: You know how this goes. There's, right there's no, there. there's no oh, well, this is what we're doing. We're doing it.
1: Yeah, I think we're all feeling the same thing in, in different Levels, you know, and just so many things I'm working on. Um, I'm anticipating a very big 22, working on an hour, and I'm like, you know what? If I if had I shot my hour here, I think I would have more trouble filling a venue than I would somewhere else. Sure. Where that somewhere else is is to be And if you notice thought, that. But it's like so many choices. People, every, yeah, are, people are, are going out everywhere right? now.
2: And, like, you know, Aaron Berg just is taping his special beginning of this month in Gotham, right? Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that those sales, and we'll take this off the pie, but they're not as fast selling as fast as they should be. I told them, I was like, you shouldn't have, you're no, not, you should, you, you should fucking do it in DC or something like that. Like, exactly out of New York City. And that's the one thing that we found is when it started getting fucking cold here, I told everybody, I was like, next steps LA. Nobody fucking believed me. In November, all of a sudden, I'm living in LA for a month. Yeah. yeah. And we're blowing it up over there. I think we need to, as New Yorkers, That same bubble that made us think that Donald Trump wasn't going to win 2016 is the same bubble that, like, there's a lot of money to be made outside of this city.
1: Absolutely, and as a comic, in taking control of your own destiny and not worrying about, am I in this club, am I in that club, what's going on? My goals is to be able to headline across the country and eventually the globe going out doing weekends, and just taking control of who I am, you know, transitioning into a full-time headlining comic. So I'm not so pressed. About, I would love to work at every New York comedy club, right? Mm-hmm. But is it the end-all, be-all of your career as a comic? Like you said, there are tons of... There's tons of money and tons of opportunity outside of this bubble. I feel like I grew up, and I believe the lyric of a goddamn song. <laughs> if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I'm like, wait a minute. Liar. You fucking... I believe a song really? From well, a that, white man? But, From but, a white man. But what you,
0: didn't, what you didn't see is at the end of the song title, there's parentheses that says, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I should
1: have listened you to Flavor Flav, <laughs> Don't Believe the hype. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's, COVID has opened all of our eyes to saying, hey, you don't need to live in New York or LA. You could live anywhere and be successful in this business. Absolutely. So that's just, you know, my focus is just really... Being a strong comic, no matter where I get up. I mean, listen, we're getting
2: into it already. Uh, Guys, (laughs) live from the table here at Stand Up New York Labs. Somewhat damaged podcast. a Greg.
0: different table, but it's a table. It is
2: cool. a <laughs> table. What's up, Greg? How are you, man?
0: I'm just so fucking tired.
2: <laughs> so we kind of jumped into it. Von and I are old
1: friends. I dude. know. Yeah, I was harassing him about spots. Yeah. It's pretty
0: oh, weird. no. I, listen, <laughs> you should. This whole life
1: and my whole life. Hey, you welcome should. to the podcast. Where's my spots, Don? <laughs>
0: Would not be the first time that's happened. <laughs> it's almost a constant.
2: I mean, listen, Von. We, I mean, Greg and I were talking before the podcast and we was like, what do we talk about? You know what I mean? There's so many different different things that we've been that you've been doing specifically since the pandemic. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about the about the special uh that came out uh, with All Things Comedy, about Patrice, but moreover than that, I want to talk about you and what you're doing as a comic because you're one of those so just a little back backstory. You know, I've known Vaughn for about 3 4 years now. And the thing is during the pandemic, I saw you more and more and then I saw you on other things like I was working with Dave Temple a Bunch, so I saw that you were working with him down in Philly and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then pandemic. I mean the pandemic's still going on, but all of a sudden we stopped. Like there was that like hard cut between you and me and a lot of other people too. But it's always good to see that when we can come back and like we can talk it out. You know what I mean? But what have you been
1: up to though? Oh, talk it out meaning I'm <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with something. Seems like it. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> It Can seems me, like no, you I'm didn't l- give
0: her the spots, which is why you haven't seen her. <laughs> no, I'm but, as yeah, an impartial they, what person. Have
1: <laughs> I, what have I been doing??
2: Uh... Hold up. You've been the stand? The cellar? You're hitting up those spots as well. Am I? I see you at the cellar. I see you with
1: pictures in the cellar. I saw your pictures I at the opened, stand. I did Marina Franklin's show. Mm-hmm. Love Marina Franklin. Very uh, big supporter of my comedy, and I'm a big supporter of hers. She was working on her hour, and she asked me to feature for her. So I, I don't work the comedy cellar consistently. I work other people's shows right. at the comedy cellar. Um, I was doing the stand over during COVID, right. like any other club that I was doing over the pandemic where you know much like we were talking about there were plenty of spots Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) a lot of comics left the city people weren't coming out there were a lot of reasons you know so I I get around but do I have a club that I would say is my home club no I've been spending a lot of time in Brooklyn Eastville um, Old Man Hustle Brooklyn give me a lot of love at that club and how is that they they've been killing it I love Old Man Hustle Brooklyn I'm very proud of Ed and what he did. When I remember when he first was, like, getting his liquor license and getting the spot ready, and it was right before COVID, he had finally opened up over there, and then COVID happened, and it was, like, shut down. And I was like, ooh, that's one of the clubs that are, is definitely going to go under, and they mm-hmm. certainly haven't. Yep. And again, they give me a lot of love there, and I, I think they've done a great job. It's a very well-managed club. Crowds are always good, even if they're small. You know, some just like any club in the city, sure. except the cellar. <laughs> and sometimes it's packed and sometimes it's not, but it's always a good vibe there. And for me, I'll get up anywhere where sure. I can get work done. Like, that's my objective is my comedy, not to be buddy-buddy with any one particular person, one particular comic, one particular booker, one particular club. I, I want to give love to whoever gives love to me. And my goal is to just get up, get strong, and be a banging headlining comic. So I mean, what have I been doing, being long-winded, no, to no, no. get back? Yeah. One of the things that I've been doing a lot is road work. Mm. I've been on the road a lot. I, I feature for um, Ali Sadiq, and I, uh, he's been giving me a lot of road work. And that... His audiences are great, especially for my comedy, because he has a listening audience. He's a storyteller. He has a bit of a slow pace. His audience, his fan base comes to listen to comedy. Right. You know, so that's great. I get great work on the road. Mm -hmm. You know, I open for Jackie Fabulous, few other people. Like I said, Marina here in the city. So I'm getting my feature work. And I'm also, when I'm featuring, getting headlining opportunities from those moments. And so that's the next step. And we
2: talked about that before we went on. We went live. Is that mm-hmm. you want to do? Is you want to be a headlining comedian? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have
1: it. Do you have the sixty minutes. Are you ready to go oh, yeah. to, to tape it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm working that hour out. I'm going to be at the Pittsburgh Improv, um, November twenty fourth, mm-hmm. night before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve. Very big going out night. Yeah. Uh, I'm running my hour there. I actually, was at the Pittsburgh Improv with Godfrey. Okay, And that's when they, they they were like, oh, we have to have you back. Ah. have to have you back and they gave me a headlining date and I said, this is perfect timing. <laughs> this is perfect timing. So yeah, that I'm I'm definitely out there featuring for some major players, people that support me and um, giving me the opportunity to have that road work where I could really work my material and get my work done. but I'm definitely transitioning into becoming a headlining.
2: Yeah, because the only reason I wanted to say that is because we got a lot of listeners here that always listen to the podcast and are like, "Oh, New York is the end all, the be all."
1: It's not exactly, (laughs) but I just found that out last week.
0: (laughs) It's breaking news. I just found that out. What do you? What do you? When you do the rooms in Brooklyn and Queens stuff, what do you? Do you change the material you're going to run out there compared to when you come into the city to do like up here or downtown?
1: So I, how can I say this? You, I, I. Have to work on what I have to work on, right? I, I select my material based on okay, I want to work on this. Oh, I'm layering that, or I have to do this. So, but sometimes you have to read the room, yeah, sure. right? And it's not, hey, this audience won't be good for that or right. this. And that's that's happened to me on the road as well as spots in the city. Sometimes you'll you'll push it like, I got to work this bit out. Right. I know this is not going to go well. <laughs> this is not the right audience for this. But it ain't about you right now. It's about me. I got to run this spot. You're going to you know?
0: like it. You're going to listen to it.
1: Sometimes you just got to take those L's. Yeah. And then sometimes though, those L's turns into wins because you learn. I feel like you learn a lot more in, in a bomb than sure. you're doing just constantly right. killing, 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 yeah, killing. Because yeah. when you're killing, 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 that's great. But you're also likely getting into some type of robotic mode. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And are you really growing? You know so for me I, I have a lot of tools in my pocket a lot of material that I know works and that's great. But let's layer it. Let's let's dig a little deeper. Let's take this angle. Let's take that angle. Let's do the hardest bit that you have in front of this millennial audience yeah. that you know is sensitive. Right. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, dead silence. Nice to see you. Yeah. Okay.
2: It's the <laughs> well, well, let's talk
1: about it because here's the thing.
2: Um, pandemic was in effect. Old guard of comedians came back and I didn't hear anything new. It happens. It's there you go. out there right now. You talk about kind of like, you know, doing, you know, different things. You know, you, 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 you're, you're torn the road with a lot of these comics that uh, are closers, you know what I mean, in the city. But there's a big majority of people that during this pandemic, they didn't do jack shit. And I'm hearing the same fucking. Closers that might as well have Bill Clinton references in them. <laughs> right? How does that make you feel being a working comic? Does that... That's man. Kind of, because for me as a booker and as an operator, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what happened?
1: Like, I need something new. Like, Right. You- I can understand that perspective that you have as a booker. But for me as a comic, it's very hard. Man, you got to... For me, I got to keep that narrow vision and keep my eyes on my own paper, right? Because if I'm looking to the left and to the right of what everybody else is doing, you'll start to, it'll start to intoxicate your mind. Like, wait a minute, let me, let me get this straight. You got false spots. This club is giving you all the spots, all the spots, but yet they're, like, running the same thing over and over, or and it's the references are old. Everything that you just said, but their opportunities are still there because they're vets, they're this, they're that. Or you could look at the other side of the coin where it's, like, This person got passed? Wait, this person got? This person? Oh, you passing everybody. Oh, oh, just everybody. Oh, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Ah Everybody. Hey, hey, how about this? I don't even need to audition. I'll just give you my (laughs) veils.
0: Let's name some names. Let's name some names. So,
1: all I'm saying is, no names necessary. Uh, All All I'm saying is, two different extreme sides of the coin for me that tells me on a daily basis, Vaughn. Keep your mind on and and your focus on your own shit because at the end of the day, my journey is mine and somebody probably has something to say about me. As a matter of fact, I'm almost 100% sure (laughs) that they got all kinds of things to say about me. Oh, she shouldn't be doing this or she got that because of X, Y, Z. And people speak about your journey as if it's actual facts, like they were there. People will talk about people's bank account yep. like they're in it. Like, what? Where'd you get this from? You know. So, if you don't, in How does this it does make business, you feel when you hear
2: that. When, when you hear something about you uh, in oh, this business, I mean, God, you talk, you talk about being trying to be. Because, listen, I've, I mean, I, I, I sit at that bar. I listen to, I go, I sit at other bars and I hear the stories and people shit talking other people and saying they got this because of this and this because of that. Like, when you, when somebody confronts you about that. How does that make you feel about doing your journey because you're grinding every Man, single week?
1: It it's hard. It's very hard. But again, you it's it's a it's a job. Yeah. Within itself just to keep your mind right and not um people's opinions are not facts, right? Just because you say it does not make it true. And why are you so so concerned? about what's going on in my world maybe something is lacking in yours I don't know but I I just try again to keep keep my focus just on me and not let that dig in me now it's hard I it is so hard because you want to defend yourself you want to defend your character you want to defend your work you want to defend your talent you want to defend all this stuff and then it's like well wait a minute
0: you can't spend all your time doing that because then you're then exactly. you're feeding into it
1: i spent all yeah. my time and gave all my energy to someone who might not even remember that they had that conversation sure. about me because they were just talking shit. Yeah. you know what i'm saying so it's it's like well i'm gonna get to where i'm going with or without whomever is team vaughn
0: well you i mean people typically Period. you know when they do that shit, it's because they're it's one of two things they're either envious or jealous Right. Because if they weren't either of those two things, then they wouldn't be talking shit about you, the the person next to you or anything like that. I mean, I I grew up with it. Like my my father was a sports agent growing up. okay. so everybody and he was successful. So and all the kids that I grew up with in high school and even in college would I mean, I can't even tell you I could write, you know, encyclopedias worth of shit that people would say about me and the only thing I could do is laugh about it because of course I'm the one that knows the truth and the people closest to me know the truth right so you know like I I dealt with that for so long and I'm like haha that's funny I'm like it really must suck to be you if you need to say those things to impress someone or make someone feel like oh that guy sucks or you know his dad did that for him and you know and people who who come out of Anywhere that had anyone help them or give them guidance, not even help, but guidance, contends with that shit, I think, all the time. Yeah, and, and you have to be super strong. i
1: with me. Um, I've been dealing with my uh, people making assumptions about me just based on how I look. Sure. I, it's usually the, the most consistent thing about someone getting to know me <laughs> since the high school. As far back as I can remember is, oh, you'll like her once you get to know her. <laughs> because the assumption coming in is, oh, she looks like this. She must be that. Right. My personality is the complete opposite of what people think based on how I look. So once they get past whatever preconceived notions that they have, they're like, oh, shoot, I was wrong the whole time. Right. And I'm like, well, welcome. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I, it took I, it's you funny. long enough to get here. I, it, I,
0: I, that's, I think that's a huge knock on people. It is. When they say, "Oh, you're actually a cool person," I'm like, "Well, what the fuck did you come into this think? Like, why would you think the opposite? Like, what, what, what you about this? Oh,
2: what was it like? Like, they were like, I mean, first of all, you don't have wrestling bitch face. Was it just that you look like a strong black woman? They were just nervous to talk
1: to you. Is that it? I, I've gotten the the intimidating factor for many reasons. Right. The 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 confidence level the oh she's pretty thing You the the black woman thing you name it I feel like I have been uh, had that stigma or stereotype on my back mm-hmm. and I used to be defensive when I was less mature I was one of cause I, I grew up in a project so I've worked on myself quite a bit <laughs> People just don't know, John. I'm like, sometimes things happen in these comedy streets, and I'm like, I got my Beyonce and my Solange on the shoulder. And it's I have to work what? so Why hard. Why you got to bring Solange? <laughs> Going well, after Jay-Z or the white tuxedo. Yeah, that, I have my true TV bit. I talk about being refined ratchet, and I'm like, sometimes that Solange beat a bitch in the elevator comes out. You don't want that smoke. Because that's another thing. You, I've worked on myself a, a lot. But I grew up, I grew up pretty rough, you yeah. know. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm some tough girl. I'm saying my instincts, right. <laughs> my project girl. Where, where'd you grow up? Are off? there, Clareton, Pennsylvania? Oh, okay. Thirty miles south of uh, uh, Pittsburgh, small, right. very poor, small still town. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm just like y'all, just really don't know how hard I have to work. Against my own natural instincts, not to knock you the hell out, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So it, it's like you—you you just have to understand that people are—they're—they're they're coming to you with their whole life story, yeah. and and sometimes you—you you, just look at people like, who hurt you? Right. They must have looked just like me. Yeah. I had a situation. I don't know if um, Harris Stanton will remember this. Uh, but it was Let's it, call him <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you out It was That's Harris how Sand much she smoked today comic, like, it, 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 I don't know who this girl was with But uh, it was a couple of comics And this one girl She was standing there You know you could tell she had a little to drink Or whatever And she went in I guess she hugged Harris And then she went in to hug me Now I don't know her and she does not know me, but she went in to hug me. She had a cigarette in her hand. Now, I did the full blown matrix lean back. <laughs> 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 like,
2: splicey on there for everybody to and, see. On well, and this,
1: this was before COVID. So imagine yeah, how I am sure, now. Sure. But she had a cigarette in her hand. I don't know her. She does not know my asthma issues. She does not know my allergies. She knows nothing. I did the full lean back, and she's like, oh, one of them light-skinned girls. I said, all my life, I got to fight for my blackness. I lay her out, not with hands. But verbally, I said, I'm not sure what light-skinned girl in high school hurt your feelings, but it wasn't me. It was not me. I have asthma. You have a cigarette in your hand, and you're slightly intoxicated. You about to burn my uh, hair. (laughs) Can we we discuss how little self-awareness that you have and little consideration for others that you have? But I'm somehow the villain in this situation because I had to do a full lean back (laughs) matrix move. Do I look like Keanu Reeves? I'm not skilled in this area. I almost killed myself leaning back.
0: Well, I just made, I know what the cover art going to be for
1: this. But she had all, she she made a decision about who I was in a split second based on her experiences. Right. And I would hope that the conversation I had with her in that moment, a very mature one, because I let Beyonce speak and not Solange. <laughs> Sometimes Solange needs to speak. I mean, Sometimes. 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 I mean, Sometimes. Did,
0: did you, like, when growing up, like, where did you start knowing you were funny or wanted to be funny for people?
1: Oh, well, it's like, it's like a survival thing. Where I grew up, in, in part like the whole roasting thing, right? Mm-hmm. That That's, yeah. we played the dozens growing up. I mean, up. listen, as a minority in a very white town,
2: yeah, that's how <laughs> I fell back on my stuff
1: right there. Right. You have to be ready. When you're coming home from school and everybody's sitting outside, I remember coming down the hill into the projects, there was a stoop like a, on a corner, everybody said, hey, you walk past there, you gotta be ready. Here it comes. So that's that's one part, but I also grew up again, very poor in in not so great of a household in, in terms of of some issues within the house. And my mom, I get my humor from my mom. My mom has a very dark, silly sense of humor. like she makes fun of everything. <laughs> sickness death what you name it <laughs>
2: nothing too soon kind <laughs> <of you. laughs> nothing it's too on. soon it's when my mom
1: announced that she had cancer a few oh. years ago I knew what she was about to do because you know she waited till the whole family was was there was like around Thanksgiving time and um I held my mom's hand I knew what she was about to do she announced that she had cancer and my nephew, my sister, everybody start crying. And I looked at my mom and she was like, now everybody hold on. All I need is some medicinal weed <laughs> and it'll be fine. Now that's funny just in they general. But if you ice, know yeah. my mom, uh-huh. much like myself, she doesn't drink or smoke <laughs> weed. She's like non-alcoholic. She she don't do nothing. She's just naturally goofy right. like me. So that, you know, that's what she does. And I think that... That's just how, there was so much sadness around that that's how we stayed alive, was through laughter. I remember being in, I'm going to really age myself with this, but we used to have to stand in a welfare line. This was before food stamps, before cards and all of that. This is when you literally stood in a welfare line to get a box of food that was supposed to feed a family of four for a month until you stood in line again. And she would always read to us out of these hacky little joke books. (laughs) First of all, my mom's humor is so hack. It's so hack. (laughs) It's so goofy. Like, she loved the comics and the newspaper stuff like that. So, just at a very young age, it was instilled in me inside and outside of my household that if you want to survive and have any type of hope in life, (laughs) uh, giggle. And find (laughs) a way to make other people giggle. And not to be further long-winded. But the third part of that is as I got older and... You know, I was getting the, oh, this, this pretty conceit that she's this. She thinks she all of that. The self-deprecating comedy came into play because I just wanted to have friends. Right. Right. No, 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 I'm not that pretty. Look, I got a cock eye. My eyes, <laughs> le- it's, it's a sleepy eye. If you look at me long enough, you'll, you won't think I'm pretty no more. Like, I just started really beating myself up right. to have friends and, and be validated. And unfortunately, Um, and fortunately, all of those things carried over into real comedy life because that validation shit will kill you. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about how it it kills you, though, in in there. Because you'll never feel good enough until you release yourself from being validated. And I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for any other comic, although I know it's relatable if if they have the ability to be honest with themselves and others. Um, Being validated by your peers means so much and if you put too much weight on it you'll you'll never feel good enough and you'll beat yourself up and you'll you'll never feel like you really belong i've had to really pull myself out of that i've never had a problem getting on stage with the audience i've never had that fear of the audience my from the first time i hit the stage until tonight when i hit the stage My fear is never with the audience. I've always had a good relationship with the audience because I've always understood the process of comedy and the wins and the losses and what I could get out of something if I don't do so well and how I structure and and how I want to do things. And I... I have accepted that that is the process of comedy and it's a process that I love. I love putting my material together. I love piecing things together. I love finding out after I fucked with a joke three, four times and it, it tanked that my natural first instinct was right. Go yeah, back yeah. to the drawing board of the first thing you did. Are,
0: are you... But, no, bad?
1: Yeah, start. so it, pulling yourself out of the validation or what I would like to um, make a comparison to of the hip-hop world getting that rockefeller chain if you know what i mean right right but kanye yeah. kanye west would still be kanye west if jay-z never put that chain around is sure. neck, right maybe maybe not kanye west still to this day seems like he's chasing validation sure from jay-z <laughs> i mean that's the thing though you you, you, you sh-
2: you're on the road with these heavy hitters ali marina jackie fabulous did you psych yourself out a little bit, being like, "Am I like?" Did you say to yourself, "These people are asking me to go on tour with them, to open for them, to to make sure that their fans are warmed up for them." Did that psych you out out a little bit? What do you mean, psych me out? Did you get? Did you did you almost say it? to yourself that because that's
1: validation pressure. right there. Like, that's validation the from your peers that they want you with them. Um. Well, at this point where these things are happening, it feels like this is. I, I'm Oh, I'm sorry. That That's was right. me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Okay. Right? I, I, again, going back to the process of comedy and understanding, you, you don't get to skip. No, Nobody's exempt. Some people might be exempt. But in my world, you're not going to be a good comic if you don't go through all the processes totally. of it. So I'm at the level with my... Skill level that I should be featuring and transitioning into headline. So not to so
2: so so not to psych you out even more or at all. Is there a stage you don't feel that you're ready for yet?
1: Ooh, that's a good um, question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry to put that in your head. No, um, but it's like you you you're so real about it, and the honesty I love about it because you know we can talk to comics all day and be like, I've done. Uh, the place in Nashville, uh, the Zanies. grand old Opry. Opring, Opring. I've done Madison Square Guy. I've done Netflix, and they're like, oh, "We're always ready." But then sometimes I watch them, and I'm like, "Oh, you <laughs> yeah, weren't yeah,
1: ready. Not ready. <laughs> ready." I mean, sometimes That's the sunk. moment may get to you, right? You may yeah. feel like you're ready, and then you get there. You get there, and you're like, "Lights, camera, action!" It's like, "Oh, <laughs> this is what this feel like." So, the way I'll answer that is. I would like to think I'm prepared for anything. If I get an opportunity to do Madison Square Garden, would that be intimidating? Hell yeah. The biggest venue I've ever done, I believe it was around a 500-seat theater. It was when I was in Montreal, and Lil Rail put me on his show, Lil Rail and Friends. Right. I was very excited to do the show, very grateful that he put me on this show. I had a great time in Montreal. I did Kevin Hart's LOL live from Montreal. Mm -hmm, That's what I was there for. And then um, Chris DeStefano asked me to open for him that whole weekend, and then Lil Rel put me on his show. I had a great experience and felt very good about these people asking me to do these things. 500-seat theater, that's the most I've ever done. So I feel like I would be prepared for that uh, to do a, a theater. Right. Right. I learned a lot when I did it. I understood the rhythm had to be a little different and that delay with the laughter coming back yeah. could throw you off, don't let it throw you off. Right. But I don't know what a 1,500-seat sure. theater feels like yet. But until I am I do it, yeah. I don't know. Sure. Right. Am I prepared to do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm gonna come into it with a few questions. I may talk to another comic that's done fifteen hundred seaters or five thousand seaters, whatever that opportunity is, and say, Okay, so my experience on Lil Rail show in Montreal, there was a delay. Is it it was a five hundred seater? Is it different with that? Is usually with shows like that there may be some type of sound check where you can learn different things. So I'ma come prepared. The material thing, that's that's what that's mm-hmm that's your own work. But the whole experiences of the bigger stages, there's some technical aspects of that yeah, totally. that I would want to get some information on and then boom. That's
2: so the that people I, don't talk about too, actually.
0: Yeah, no. I, I want to go back to your validation, the thing we were yeah. talking about a few minutes ago. So I, I have a bunch of friends that are in all different parts of the arts and some of them are never, ever happy with what their work is, whether it's a painting or music or, or a set. And I... I think that that's just being a pure artist. That it's never done, right? Absolutely. So, do you feel that way (laughs) about never
1: done?
0: (laughs) never done. So you'll never
1: done. And I love that about comedy because it it could just you can layer something forever, Mm -hmm. right? Now there are some bits that I have grown out of, right? And I look at it and I go, okay, this is this is not something I'm interested in doing anymore. And, but are there pieces of it that's still relevant to me? Right. Did I grow out of all of it? Then I probably won't deliver it with the same enthusiasm or or um, uh, passion. But what I've learned is a lot of my bits I could take with my growth. You could talk about things in hindsight if it's relevant to something else that you're leading into or talking about. Because I try to have a good rhythm and a good flow with my full set. So if if it's something in that that I could take, like, oh, when I had this X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 and I might take one little piece of the funny out of it and move on to something else, or I might scrap it all together. But I think that's the beauty of comedy. It it has you have to grow with it. And if you don't, you'll be one of them people that's still doing the same. Did you just, I'm like, did you just do a Weight Watchers joke in 2021? I mean, just update Weight Watchers. It's to the WW. To, not t- that, to something you got a car else. references, you got a car, oh my God. Like You got a car references, like Oprah's been off the air for how long? How long has Oprah been off the air for? <laughs> right, so, and again, not to be judgmental, because you could watch my set tonight and go, mm, references. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so I, I try not to judge anybody else's process, sure, sure. but I also you could learn from other people's mistakes and you, just as much as you can learn from other people's successes, right? So I just try to pay attention. Yeah, I, I just
0: I, I think that it's it's the sign of someone that is very committed to their craft when when they're never happy with their work being done like and you look at a bit and you're like that bit's not done even though it could kill 30 out of 30 nights mm-hmm. and you're always looking for some other tag to put into there
1: perfect and- example right so i had a COVID project that i'm very proud of my comedy mixtape a draggable offense and i did that project because i wanted to record my first album like it, it was supposed to be my i think around my birthday time june 2020 COVID happened that's not gonna happen so, during COVID, I was going because I record everything. Obsessively record everything. You hear everything. that? Record listen, everything. I record everything. I learned so much listening back to myself. The simplest little things, like, people are so quick to blame the audience, right? I have a whole checklist before I get to, oh, the audience just sucked. Right. I have a, a, a whole accountability checklist. And when I listen back, before I get to... That audience just sucked. I find several things that I could have done better. That's why I'm getting better so quickly, right? Because I'm being accountable. One time, I listened to myself say bitch like five times in less than 60 seconds. And I said, what am I doing right now? I could articulate myself without saying bitch. So I I learned from listening back to myself, I'm either too comfortable, and I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me, like I'm Kanye, (laughs) or... I'm losing the audience, so I'm trying too hard to be relatable. And I start cussing too much. And I'm like, that's not necessary. And I also learned uh, there was, I forget what bit it was, but it was one of my bits that always worked. And it just didn't work. And I'm like, they didn't laugh at all. I listened back to it, and I talked too fast over my own punchline. I didn't even articulate the words in the punchline. I was like, oh. No wonder they didn't laugh. They didn't even understand what yeah, I said. Right. So, um, I I lost track. <laughs> no, <laughs>
2: you were well, talking about the about the special. Uh, the yeah, the album. The album.
1: Oh watched, oh, yes. my COVID project. Yeah. So, I started listening back to my old recordings because I was writing every day during COVID. And I was like, wow. By the time I get on stage again, I don't even know what my album would look like anymore. Yeah. I don't know what a special would look like anymore what do I want to work on? My thoughts went into such a different direction. I had changed my Coach Juan podcast, which was a, a, a um, NBA podcast that I would take things going on in the NBA, right, and transition it into real life conversations, make it relatable to what's going on in our regular lives, whatever it is. So I just, I said, forget sports. I'm just going to go right for the real life stuff. So I started doing Friend in Your Head podcast because I felt like that's just what people Mm -hmm. needed. So I'm having all these political thoughts and I'm writing every day. I'm doing the Friend in Your Head podcast. And I listened back to all these recordings and I was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't do this again. But why waste it? Right. So I put together the comedy mixtape from this recording and did a, a album with narration in between the bits and gave like a behind-the-scenes the, the scenes yeah. narration of yeah, cool. the bit. Now, I brought this up to say, plug the album, but I brought this <laughs> up to say, <laughs> bits never being done, right? Right. There's a couple of bits on there that I may never do again, but there's one bit in particular that I'm still doing and it, it wasn't done when I put it on there, and I knew that. I was okay with most of those bits not being done right. and still working on them sure. because I'm doing the narration of the behind the mind, and I'm like, oh, they're going to see this completed bit one day. Right. And one of the hardest bits that I have um, is on the album, and it is layered. It's a whole... Is in a whole new space now. Wow. Cool. It's in a whole new space. It's amazing space. when you have
2: those bits that are like onions and like this becomes like it devolves and evolves um, into something that you haven't seen, you know, that you never expected it for it to be. And it sounds like you, you have that availability to do that. So, wait. So, this is out. So, you can say to yourself that you're going to try and redo this bit for another album.
1: Not try. Not try. I've I put that bit on there because it was in a moment in a club and it worked really well and it was a great moment. All these pieces that I put on the album were just great moments and gems that happened when I was out working on bits. Sure.
2: That so, catch that lightning in the bottle, which I right. always hear about, you know. And I, I mean? was
1: okay with it being unfinished because that moment of working it out was dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I put this the one that we're talking about when this is on a special or a new album, I could go go listen to the comedy mixtape and see right. where it was. Yeah. And now listen to it. It's
2: funny, yeah. yeah that's it's,
1: cool. it's it's a beautiful thing, like, and I get like, excited about yeah. the process. Because
2: I love it when comedy, like bargazzi has got that one where he's like, he's like, oh, in the last special I talked about this, and then he gives you a a, a completely different thing on on a, a completely, like the, the follow up story right. to it. Here it sounds like I mean this is this is kind of great for a bit. I mean like even if you look at you know Chappelle's new thing when he was talking about Daphne and the original Sticks and Stones, you knew she was. They called her out and everything. And he then he got into it more. But this is that's the new sort of comedy is that. Maybe necessarily these old timer bits that I get sick of. Maybe if you put a different spin on
0: it, it's like a it's like a remix. Or just, yeah. just
1: put. You don't even have to. This is the thing. You don't have to think too deep. Just put your own growth on it. Mm-hmm. Put your own growth on one of your old bits and see what where you what you come up with. Maybe nothing. Maybe something. Could you
2: imagine Andrew Dice Clay being like,
1: <laughs> "Hey, yeah, putting all this it's like, it's like, ah, so I thought about it, and, uh, you know, women." I just like the journey. I'm a feminist now. <laughs> I just like the journey uh, of the creative process. Of stand-up comedy is just an amazing art form to me, and I love the journey of it. I, I love people that respect the journey of it. I just I opened for Roy Wood Jr. recently, and his special just came out amazing. I got to see him working on some of the bits and, and that's one of the things he was doing. He had, you know, I guess the comedy central, uh, uh people and, and he was like working on his bits and showing the journey. And I'm like, this is, this is, the sh-, you know yeah. what I mean? It, it was an amazing experience. I was very appreciative appreciative to be a, a part of that and to see Roy Work who for me is um, another amazing comic that I've gotten to work with. That I he's he's amazing, and I told Roy this. I said it's it's inspiring to see him because he's one of those comics that can be funny while being informative without being arrogant or mean.
2: Yeah, agreed. And
1: that's that's goals. You know, that's pretty cool if you ask me. You know, and I I, I try to Work towards those same things in my comedy. Like it's not necessary to be sure. mean, even though sometimes I mean, catch me once a month. Solange is going to be like, bitch, <laughs> bitch,
2: bitch, 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 <laughs> <Tonight's> bitch, bitch. <the laughs> Tonight's I the mean, night. I mean, listen. I mean, not to not to dig into deep, but with the to, to, uh, to Roy Wood Jr. But like, I mean, his whole bit about the national anthem is one of my favorites. You know, uh, his bit about going to the uh, <laughs> going to the uh, uh, the the Black History Museum. I mean, putting that. That out there and having like, you know, people from the right even appreciate it. You know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. funny is that I've seen sometimes his clips being used on Fox News. Not that I watch Fox News, everybody. Right? Oh, everybody shit. Were like, everybody <laughs> everybody
0: he's a, he's a Newsmax This guy. is why John
2: stopped talking to me. I knew it was something. I saw a red hat in here somewhere. <laughs> I knew it <laughs> but I gotta I, you want to talk a little bit about projects that you're doing because so, so over the over the pandemic you had uh, you know uh, which by the way where can we see this album uh, that you, Oh, you that could go to
1: funnyvonvon.com and it's links to anything you want to ask me about is gonna be on that website right. if I'm associated with it at all, You'll get a link to it. So, yeah, the comedy mixtape is there. Comedy
2: mixtape is there, but then also a passion project that you were working on for a long time finally came out. Congratulations yes. on that. Thank you. Um, I was happy enough to see the Patrice talk before it came out. Somebody give me a screener for
1: it. And that, was, that was me. That was you. <laughs> John. No, I didn't know if it was you John, or not. I, John. John.
0: Somebody. <laughs> you
1: know what? I wouldn't want to say anything. I All know, like, my life ever. I guess the fight. Oh my life, I got to fight. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. i just saying.
2: Well, here's the thing, Vaughn. When we first met, do you know what I mean? You know, I remember Candy telling me, uh, you know, I was like, I was like the Vaughn's great. And then she told me who you were and your relationship with Patrice. And she's like, but don't talk about it because she doesn't like talking about it. What's changed in the last four years that made you open up?
1: Oh, I uh, nothing. nothing. I'm <laughs> still exactly the same. So here's the thing. I have a responsibility to the legacy of Patrice O'Neill. That's um, what it is. And I've done a what I would think is a very good job of taking care of his legacy um, aside from myself. I don't promote myself with Patrice's stuff, and vice versa. I don't need to promote Patrice stuff when I'm doing Vaughn stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a very thin line, but I've learned that when Patrice becomes the subject, that's the only subject. It, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I've had to... Um, put some stops mm-hmm. on the conversations. I'm not going to reiterate and regurgitate and keep talking about the same things over and over. I have to relive this stuff every time I talk about it. Right. So it's it's unfair to me as a person and as a comic to have to constantly talk about something when I have been very giving in, in my dedication to him. We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of his death. It's been 10 years. I was with him in a relationship for 10 years. That's 20 years of my life, right? And I, I loved him very dearly. I still lo- have love for him, obviously. I love him. My daughter loves him a- as a family. Um, we have things that we have to deal with on, on a daily basis. Like I always say every every year during nine eleven, um, I talk about the the people who the families of nine eleven. Who have to the um I'm, I always say you know we have the privilege of saying never forget once a year. Yeah, they have to deal with this every day. Sure, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So it's not that I just decided to talk about Patrice all of a sudden. I've been working on this documentary for years. I did. I produced all three of his comedy albums. I wrote the book that he wanted me to write. And then I did the documentary. All of this, all of it was out of love for Patrice and making sure that his legacy was sealed as best as I possibly could for future generations to come. You know, he he was very much deserving of that. But I also have to separate it as well because I have to give myself a fair chance, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, um, no one else will, well, that and that's facts. Seeing <laughs> you in the
2: documentary, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting to see you at all in it. I thought you were going to kind
1: of keep yourself out of it. But I think it's such a. But then watching, I didn't want to be in it. You didn't. I did not want to <laughs> be in it. Uh, How did you get convinced?
0: Was, like what? What changed? You, you to convinced be in yourself, it? I
1: think. <laughs> well, I had to accept the fact that if if any part that was missing that would. Um, how can I say? If I'm, if I'm going to do it, I have to be fair to the whole story, right? Sure, sure. So removing myself from the story wouldn't have been the right thing to do. Right. So I decided to go ahead and be in it. But I, it, it was a lot of conversations between myself, the director, Michael Bonfiglio, and Comedy Central. And it it, it was... It was one of the most difficult things I had ever done. I mean, my interview was probably four hours. Wow. And I was the last one that we did before we rapped. And I I just was like, look, I I really just want to talk about the things that I need to talk about to humanize him. And even in doing that, I feel like a a lot of times I overshared. Things that for me as a woman and as a person and, and even as a comic, that I'm like, ugh, but this will be good to humanize him because people really didn't understand or don't understand in general that who you are as a, a, a person informs who you are as a comic. If you're the type of comic that is honest and, and bringing to the stage your true life experiences and your true voice and, and your true self, then who you are as a, a a comic is informed by who you are as a man or a woman, and I think a lot of times people just tap the surface of Patrice's comedy yeah. without seeing him as a man. So it was important for me to be in it sure. to help that angle of it and, I mean, and humanize him. I,
0: I watched it when it came out. I was I was on I was I was not on a vacation alone. I just was away by myself for. Like ten be? days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but there's so much questionable stuff happening. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm <laughs> is anyone else here? <laughs> right.
0: So I was on vacation alone, and um, it was when the debut uh, the the doc came out, and I watched it almost every day um, because I was so curious about. Because he was one of my all time favorites. Is, to this day, one of my all time favorites. And the one thing I took out of it from being someone that watches a lot of documentaries is just the absolute honesty that I felt watching that about his life and his journey and his friends and you and all the people that were in it, which, you know, you don't always get that. Like, people put out projects sometimes that are, you know, just the purpose of making someone look good or just only showing one side of something. Are you proud of
1: it? I wouldn't have released it if I wasn't. Yeah. I... I have been dragged through the mud about this documentary for, what, six, seven years? I think I started, the first iteration of the documentary started in like 2014 or 15 somewhere, circa. Yeah. Uh, That date, I think it was 15. I think there's some old
2: chairs in the
1: background. Yeah, it's been a long, 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 long road. And again, I have been dragged through the mud about this project. And Even after it came out, people still dragging you? It,
2: Fuck them, the, sorry. The noise,
1: the noise quieted down a bit. But there will always be those people sure. who, circling back to what we said earlier. They are going to find any reason to attack. They come after me. They go after my daughter. It's, it's really quite disturbing and sad, some of the things that I quietly have to deal oh, with. Oh, I'm sure. With these so-called fans of patrice it's like oh okay so you're a super fan (laughs) that's interesting i'm pretty sure he would approve you fucking attacking me my daughter (laughs) go for it uh it's 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 really strange the 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 things that people have in their mind about me just because they think they heard patrice say something in his comedy or or there's so many things that i have to deal with right we already talked about this stuff remember, earlier. Yeah. Now remember, add Patrice to it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I
2: remember people at the bar and like people asking me like, and be like, oh, and I'd be like, don't ask about like that's not none of your business. That I would specifically tell like even up and coming comics like, don't talk about that. Talk about her set. Talk about her. She's her own person on that. But the question is: Are you done writing the legacy, or is there still more that you've? I've shared
1: tell? and overshared and overshared and overshared. If anyone wants anything about Patrice O'Neill, I would say go to patriceoneill.com. <laughs> <laughs> and you will find out all three of his albums, his documentary, <laughs> watch over it over that, and over you again. Would have the, Read Carlo. the book. <laughs> Read the book. I mean, I. I overshared there. I talked yeah. about all his philosophies from my point of view as a woman. And people say there's life-changing information in that book. I, it could have probably have been a bestseller, but that I, I didn't want to keep promoting it and promoting yeah, it and promoting yeah. it. I wanted to do it, get it out there, just like everything else, and then get back to Vaughn time. You yep. know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I know I hear the whispers, there's people that probably think I shouldn't even be doing comedy. But imagine, right? I'm a woman. I'm a black woman. I'm a so-called pretty woman in a lot of people's eyes. I'm a voluptuous woman. I couldn't possibly be funny. Now, add Patrice to that. And this is that's five things. That's five things that I have in front of me before I even say hey y'all what's up on a microphone right. before I even say my first joke, before I breathe into the microphone, these are the things that are ahead of me and I've I've pushed through and, and I'm here so,
2: and Vaughn, I mean, based off of that, when I love you to death. I'm so happy for all the success that you've been having. Thank I'm you. I'm so excited for uh, to, to listen to this, uh, this new uh, album of yours. I, I wasn't aware of it. I'm going to download it because I love the technique. I love the idea that you're going to be kind of narrating mm-hmm. the insides of a joke, which is unbelievable. I mean, Greg, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of anything kind of like that quite yet. Besides uh, what... Uh, what, what uh, Roy was doing with Comedy Central, but this is
1: more—I don't know.
0: Wait till you hear lie. what I, like I what I like what Roy comes do. out of no. my vacation alone.
1: John, listen, you don't have to compliment me or say nice stuff. Just give me some spots. <laughs>
2: Yes. So it, I could grow my comedy, for understood. God's sake.
1: I got to work the material out. <laughs> all
2: right. When we're done here, we are going to look at some spots for Von DeCarlo because you're going to catch her here or you can catch her in
1: Pittsburgh the night before yes. Uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. November 24th. Can, show up and show out. I,
0: I know we got to wrap, soon. I am just I just want to know about your NBA picks.
1: First of all, I know he doesn't follow me on Instagram no. if he's asking me that. <laughs> I am an unreasonable Knicks
0: fan. Okay, no, no, no. So that's what I wanted to get to because I am a also, um, some days I'm happier about saying I'm a Knicks fan than other days.
1: So you're an unreasonable Knicks fan? I,
0: <laughs> I'm I'm a never happy Knicks fan.
1: I'm an optimistic, let's go Knicks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cry. <laughs> so
0: we're what, seven games in, six games in? Mm-hmm. Okay, What what do you think... What would you be happy with at the end of this season?
1: You know, I always say if we just make the playoffs, that'll make me happy. But we have right last year, and when Carmelo, don't you disrespect no no, no sixty two? No no, no, no. <laughs> no no I, I won't Melo sixty two. Listen, we've got it.
0: I I the first thing I did when I moved to New York City is I bought Knicks season tickets. First oh. thing I did. <laughs> First thing I did, John,
1: give me spots. Give me tickets.
0: <laughs> well, time out. So, <laughs> no more conversation here. So I lived through in person 92 to 2002. Two finals, Jesus. all those great years. Okay? I, <laughs> who hurt you? I, <laughs> <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> fucking Pat Riley. Uh, no, actually, Don Nelson. So lived through that, got rid of my tickets in 2002. Right. And lived through all those next 10 years, got a season package in 2012. I was like, all right, let me let me get back in. That lasted 25 games. And now I'm about to embark on that again. And I don't know if it's because I'm nuts or I can't get out of the Knicks fandom that yeah. I, I don't know where it's at. So I'm kind of just taking the temperature of people that are also Knicks fans in a, in that diehard kind of way like what you, what's your expectation like i'm not happy if they get bumped in the first round
1: right so let me let me do a real quick therapy session with you um
0: john's john's vaughn literally hating this
1: they don't call me coach vaughn just for sports I, they call me coach vaughn because i'm a good listener and i have great advice um my advice to you is just accept that you're a good person and you're loyal. Every Knicks fan I know is a a good person because of their undying loyalty. And that's what I want you to concentrate on, that no matter what happens at the end of the season, you are a good man. You are a good person and you are loyal. And that's why you're a Knicks fan. Every Knicks fan I know is a good person and they're loyal and they're dedicated to the Knicks. Now. Amen. I'm not happy if they get out the first round. Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 if 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 wait, I said that wrong. If if they only get out the first right. round. I would love to see the Knicks go all the way. Do I think it's with this team this year? No. No. But we're working towards that. Right. And just like in any relationship, you got to take your time. And just keep building and keep building and keep building. And I'm going to, I'm going to, one of my goals in life is to get into a position where I can buy the Knicks. (laughs) (laughs) And when I kick Dolan out, everything will be
2: fine. Eddie Eddie would be my first pick for uh, the coach of the Knicks. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody remember that movie? Yes, Eddie Whoopi Goldberg. Yes.
0: That's the only thing I know about the
1: Knicks. (laughs) Nobody cared about John's insert into this deep conversation about yeah, deep the Knicks. And I'm just I, like, hey, let's talk about this. I, the John, <laughs> boo, that bombed. I, boo.
0: <laughs> I do think that for the Knicks, this is the most exciting team I've seen them put together. Oh,
1: they are in, very, very since the the nineties,
0: right? And I think the youth on the Knicks is is superb. I think bringing in Derrick Rose was a kind of brilliant thing to do, as far as where he is in his career and the skill level he has mm-hmm. still. So I have high hopes, not finals hopes. I think yeah. that that's crazy. And it's okay. But
1: Everybody can't make the finals. Yeah. No, You, you know, know? two people. Eventually. Yeah. I still have hope. Let's go Knicks. I know, me too. Let's go Knicks.
0: All right, John. John
1: is texting. He's like, is this Yeah, over? John's <laughs> like, <"What?"> they're <laughs> talking about the Knicks. <laughs> I,
0: listen, I,
2: I have one question before we go. One of, the, one of our favorite things to talk about is food. All right. We always ask, what's the best thing that you have had to eat this week?
1: Oh, so I gained so much weight during COVID. I went up to 196.5 pounds. I am down about... Is that bad? I have no idea. Oh, is my that God, cool? yes. I... I my goal weight is 155. My weight drops into places that people find attractive, so I carry it well. <laughs> but my knees and my ankles are like, bitch, bitch, stand up one more time, and I'm going to just paralyze you. Like, just sit down. Where are you going with all this body adi yadi? So I, I'm not vanity-driven with my weight at this point in life. I'm very much health-driven. Okay. And I say all that to say, I have finally gotten to the pocket of having a healthy diet, drinking a gallon of water a day, and exercising all at the same time. I'm in the pocket. So, John, I haven't had no good food. I ain't got no spots. I ain't got no food. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to be like, so, mac and cheese.
1: <laughs> no, I've been doing so good. You're doing like keto? What are you doing like? I'm No, I'm just eating reasonably healthy. Okay. Like I replaced spaghetti noodles with like... Noodles? <laughs> fake noodles. Yeah, 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 fake, yeah. Fake little noodles. Oh and it's, it's cool. It's cool. I'm eating, you know, just I'm having celery just- juice I'm in the morning. I this. You're going back home the night before Thanksgiving the hell are you going to eat? I'm going to eat. See, this is the thing. You you have to do something that's sustainable, right? You can't go... It, I'm doing a lifestyle change, mm-hmm. not a diet. That's I shouldn't call it a diet. I want to do a lifestyle change where I can accept the process, mm-hmm. just like with comedy, accept the process that being healthy is a responsibility. And these are the things you have to do every day. But you, if you're doing all these things on a daily basis, right... You, you could play. You could have that piece of cheesecake or or you could have that um, chocolate bar or whatever. Once a month when I'm, when I'm PMSing, I'm going I'm to eat some shit. You know what I mean? I just, I just threw down some popcorn the other day. Uh, a fan has sent me... Uh, Black-owned business, Popcorn World, sent me a whole box of popcorn and it was delicious. So that's, there you go. That's what I had this past week that was delicious. It was birthday cake flavor popcorn. It was delicious and I ate it and I didn't feel guilty about it because I know I've been doing so good with my body all this time. I have room. But when you're doing stuff like that every day- You don't have room. You got (laughs) (laughs) pre-diabetes.
2: Vaughn, where can we find you on social media?
1: I am at Vaughn DiCarlo, V-O-N, D-E, C A R L O. My website is funny Vaughn, V-O-N, FunnyVon.com, where you can get, get links to everything, but please do follow me on social media, and that is my um, name across the board on oh, my social media. Is the Vaughn, same.
2: Always a pleasure seeing yeah, you. Thank you so thank
0: much. Thank
1: you so much for I Have joining fun. Us. Thank you That's guys. Good. We'll see you next time. Amen.
0: Get those spots. <laughs> <laughs>